Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And today we are back with uh, one of our spiritual motivators. Um, This is going to be the motivator of remembering. Um, So we are doing these these episodes uh, and just asking the question of what are the ways that the Bible shows us motivations for spiritual well-being? Um, and so that is what we're seeking to answer and give to you. And that is what we have in our mind with this episode. Uh, there's no particular order to them. Uh, these are just points that we can use to help those, uh, and talk to you regarding your spiritual life and growth. Um, a spiritual discipline then that we strongly encourage is that of reflecting on what has transpired in your life. Uh, so various times of hope or victory, times of hurt or failure, remembering opportunities of grace and mercy, reflecting on the fleeting reality, essentially, of this thing called life. Um, the older that you get, the more pronounced it becomes for the most part. Um, but every uh, mother <laughs> who posts a picture of you know their little baby at one year's old, usually on social media, uh, they usually say something like, I can't believe how little he was or how big he is now. Um, it, but that's just that's a simple statement of the inexorable passing of time. Yep. Uh, and so what happens is we get but dating, right? Yeah. Your daughter all of a sudden gets asked, like, what happened to my little girl? It's like, dude, you knew this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> time is passing. Yeah. And and so we get we get caught up in the flow of life, and uh, you know we we keep thinking that time's going to slow down uh, to where we can take stock, but the reality is it doesn't. And, you know, anyone who's a parent, those parenting years fly by, uh, they're incredibly busy and crazy. And yet those are years where massively big decisions are being made and too often without the kind of thought that they deserve. So today we want to talk about just that art of remembering, uh, taking time to think about certain things that need to be remembered and reflected upon by you. Uh, so second Timothy chapter two, verses eight through nine, it reads this way. It says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. Uh, Paul there exhorts Timothy simply to remember Jesus Christ. And what follows is then an intimate glimpse into what it can look like when you remember and love that remembrance of Jesus Christ, uh, his suffering, humiliation, hope, service, expectation, uh, all that stuff. Uh, f- funny thing about the call to follow Jesus, we start out following Jesus, but somehow we find ourselves following a political agenda. Uh, we'll follow a certain preacher, a certain lifestyle. And what happens is Jesus actually yeah. just begins to fade from view. And it happens to everybody. Yeah. Um, I will even admit, even in pastoral ministry, there's there's just times you get so busy and caught up in the all the stuff that's going on. Um, yep. That in the grand scheme of eternity just doesn't matter. And so there will be those times where you just stop and reflect on Christ. 
I, I have learned. I actually try to make it a discipline for every evening. I don't do it every evening, but I try, um, and I'm consistent with it, of just lying in bed and just reflecting over the day, and then what are things I need to confess, what are things I need to put away, um, improve on, but also give thanks to the Lord. And it, 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 it does help, but you're right, you just get caught up where— well, we were just joking. It's like I just—I I told Matt I, I got to get through this week. I, I, there was a death, and I've been asked to do the funeral, and that's going to be tomorrow morning. And I'm not done with preparing for it, but I've got podcasts right now. Then I've got a Bible study I'm going to teach until late tonight, and somewhere in there I got to finish this thing because first thing in the morning, off we go. But I still have things I have to work on, and so it's like I just. I just got to get through this week, but it's kind of a almost a joke because next week we don't even know what next week brings. And yeah, I didn't get better. Uh, yeah, I, I, all <laughs> I know is I looked at my wife and I said, "Woman, <laughs> I say that," and she didn't take offense at that. People, um, so don't rebuke me. I said, "Woman, it's hard to believe we're in October." I said, "Where did twenty twenty one go?" Um, she's like, "Don't don't even get me started." <laughs> You know, it's just this whirlwind of of ministry, and yeah, so we're no different than you guys. Yeah. So here, Paul, just remember Christ, right? Um, and that actually can be, uh, in and of itself, one of the foremost responsibilities of fellow Christians to encourage one another just to stay focused uh, on the right person uh, as they are in that race that is described for us in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we all remember uh, good, bad, ugly our memories are part of our life, but when we talk about remembering in the Bible, we're not talking about going down memory lane and, you know, picking out this or that. Uh, rather, biblical remembering is a very intentional act. Uh, it is, it's a rational act. It's, it's not this thing where you just let your mind go. Rather, it's deliberate. It's focused. Uh, you're actually shepherding your memories. Yeah, uh, that's, that's boy, good. That's a very, uh, yeah, that's an important one. Um, something that would be a very good goal, frankly, for um, many people to try and do this coming year. Um, when things come to your mind that ought to be forgotten, <laughs> um, you, you have a plan. Do you have a plan to turn your mind toward other things that are worthy of remembering? And that takes discipline and, of course, practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll give you just a few examples of bad remembering, um, and there's some good principles in here. Uh, I'll, I'll read this passage out of Mark eight seventeen to 21. He said, And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Because obviously they didn't have bread. Um, the disciples are talking. He's like, Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? And they said to him, 12. When I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? You oh, he was so kind. <laughs> he's like, but he's like, you guys are dense. Um, and boy, we are all in that. It's a classic story uh, most any parent or teacher or pastor can relate with. Um, how many times do you tell your kids, and when will you remember this? The, the disciples are just simply worried about food. Um, Jesus warns them about that leavening effect of the Pharisees and Herod instead. Uh, that effect 
or effect, he said, is unbelief. So they're worried about food, but what they're really expressing is a lack of faith. And he's like, that's the real issue. It, it, it only a short time back, they watched him perform that miracle of feeding over 5,000, and then shortly after that, 4,000 people. And now they're freaking out over a loaf. And his point is that they are not actually seeing and hearing or that they so that they can actually remember. That's the thing is, do you see and hear for the purpose of then later on remembering those things? Yeah. <coughs> um, in Acts 20, uh, verse 31 and then 35, it's Paul talking, and he says, Therefore be on alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And in everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Um, people often forget that Paul is sending Timothy to Ephesus in uh, 1 Timothy. And the reason for that is to basically fix the leadership problems. Uh, there were false teachers, factions, improper worship, improper roles, um, and such things like that, and they were just rife in the church. Uh, they would remember all that Paul had taught them. Uh, but he's, Yeah, he's talking to the elders there in Acts 20 of Ephesus, yes. and now in First Timothy. Telling Timothy. Yeah, he's saying. Fix it. Go fix it. And why? <laughs> why does he have to go fix it? Because they didn't remember, right? Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, um, I'm so, sorry. No, that's, um, so they were to... They, yeah, they were to remember, but remember what all that Paul taught them, um, but they didn't. And, and the bane of any teacher is to pour knowledge or wisdom into vessels that leak. Um, <laughs> it's a good phrase there. Uh, how often is this our experience on both sides of the equation? All right, so that's another example of bad remembering. Here's another one. Foolish hearts remember the wrong things. <laughs> uh, in Numbers 11.5, I love this passage. Um, I grinned when I was writing up these words. He says, uh, that the people of Israel tell Moses, we remember the fish we used to eat free, free in Egypt, the cucumber and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. That's what we remember. Wow. So they remember garlic, they remember cucumbers, but they forget the Red Sea. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I mean, what? What were they to remember? Well, in Deuteronomy, God says this in 5.15, you shall, this is a command, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. You weren't eating anything free. You were a slave in Egypt. And the Lord, your God, brought you out of there by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord, your God, commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. They were to remember God's mighty hand in rescuing them. And all they're thinking about is, cucumbers mm -hmm. and garlic. And before we shake our heads or remember, uh, uh, or we need to remember that we do the same thing all the time. We remember our good job or our health, and we forget the cross. Uh, Israel saw the great miracles of Yahweh, and yet when it came to the River Jordan and the promised land that was before them, they forgot who saved them out of Egypt. And so they walked in unbelief, and they all died in the wilderness as a result. Don't forget this, for the writer of Hebrews uses this example to warn those who claim Jesus is their Lord and Savior, but they fall short of entering into eternity. They never truly were in Christ. Uh, we are to encourage and strengthen each other daily in that race for the deceitfulness of sin lurks around us in ways we can't even see at times. So don't we don't want to 
practice these bad acts of remembering of God's provision, God's faithfulness, things like that. Yeah. So the the art of remembering then. Uh, first of all, it is wise to remember that God is not like the gods of man. So this this comes from Isaiah 46, 1 through 10. Uh, here's what's written. It says, Bell has bowed down, Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. They stooped over, they have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, you who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I will be the same, and even to your grain years, I will bear you. I have done it all, and I will carry you, and I will bear you, and I will deliver you. To whom would you then liken me and make me equal and compare me that we would be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god. They bow down, indeed they worship it. They lift it upon their shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place, and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. So remember this and be assured, recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Great passage. Yeah. So, so Bell and Nebo, if you don't know who or what they are, uh, they were the key, de uh, key deities of Babylon. That's where Nebuchadnezzar gets his name, Nebo. Yeah. Uh, it mentions that God has uh, been with them from birth. Um, and this means that even in their captivity, Israel was born along faithfully by Yahweh. Uh, note how he asserts his covenant faithfulness there in three through four. He says, even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your grain years, I will bear you. I have done it and I will carry you. So that is in contrast to the idols that are all around them, uh, specifically there verses five through seven. So the call given then is to remember who God truly is. And there, there are no other gods, therefore to trust in one would be folly and certain destruction. It is God who establishes the times and the borders and the lifespans. Uh, we live under his scrutiny and under his rule. Uh, this means that we must worship and live in light of the true God rather than uh, an idolatrous false God of our making. And we are not the ones to define God, rather we are defined by God. And we also therefore must remember that God is unique and therefore his ways are not like ours. Um, his thoughts are not our thoughts. We must find comfort in the vastness of God rather than seeking to tame him into something safe and cuddly. Uh, and then finally, we must always be mindful that he stands outside of his creation. Uh, he alone was before there was a beginning. And only when we're rightly related to him through Jesus Christ, can we begin to understand our place in his economy. Uh, and again, that takes constant willful remembering. Yeah, because we all have our gods. Um, then here's another one. Uh, in Ephesians 2, 11 through 12, it's always wise to remember the gospel and the effect it has in your life. So here, uh, Paul, he says, therefore, remember a command that formally, uh, or here it's not commanding, therefore, remember that formally you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope 
and without God in the world. So twice he talks about remembering. So he reminds the Gentile, that's most of us, um, of their perilous condition uh, in verses 1 through 3, that they were dead in their sins. They walked according to the power and prince of this uh, age. And then their glorious and gracious salvation in 4 through 9, where, but God, rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace we were saved. And then that call to live that truth out in verse 10, where he says that we have these works we're to do that he arranged for beforehand for us to walk in. This is what he actually means when he says, therefore, remember, all of us who come to Christ are brought into full fellowship with God. This brings them into the fullness of all the blessings and all the promises attached to the gospel, which is what Paul does in the rest of the chapter. One of the great challenges is to learn to see the gospel and its effects touching every aspect of our lives. This is a very real issue today uh, with the advent of things like uh, critical race theory and social justice. Uh, we, we allow those things to begin to define us rather than the gospel. Sin and unbelief do something quite devious if we're not alert to their methods. What happens is that they will attempt to worm their way between you and Jesus so that you lose sight of your Lord and Savior. And that will result in either despair or folly that somehow Jesus doesn't see you. Either of these are deadly. But when you battle unbelief and sin with the gospel, you put Jesus between you and the sin. That's a good thing to have. And there you have hope and forgiveness. Yes, you have sinned, and yes, it is grievous, but it's also nailed to the cross, and Jesus bids you to come to the Father for your grace and your help in your time of need. He reminds you that he is a sympathetic high priest who is tempted in all ways yet without sin. He reminds you of the gift of the Holy Spirit who strengthens and guides us into truth and holiness. Yeah, now, now another passage is 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 2, uh, where there were to remember those who faithfully taught you sound doctrine and uh, gave you a godly example. So Paul writes there, be imitators of me, just also, or just as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions, just as I delivered them to you. Um, the Corinthian church is messed up. Um <laughs> Yet many of them uh, continue to look to Paul as an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, every teacher or preacher or leader of the church um, must conform to that task. Uh, and if you look at the celebrity pastor landscape of today, you realize that that is not common. As you see pastor after pastor just keep failing and falling away or giving up, uh, you begin to realize that finding faithful people to truly imitate is a treasure. Yeah, There are teachers in teachings that people need to just forget. Um, and that can be hard and it can be frustrating. Uh, time is lost. Uh, decisions were rendered. Judgments made that later you regret. How many times have people come to your church perhaps and yeah. um, they're just like, why didn't anyone ever teach me yep. this? I mean, and, I mean, you get that time and time again, right? And you get angry as a pastor year because, yeah, you have people from other churches coming in and you're just like, Wow. And then you get those rare people who come in and, and they were wonderfully taught, job moved them, and and you just praise this former pastor of theirs. It's like, yeah, right. thank you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and you hope that the people that have to leave your church and go somewhere else, that they're blessing because they're coming with sound teaching. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And, and so there are 
teachings and therefore teachers who do point you to Christ and the faithful walk under his lordship, uh, those you must remember, those you are wise to consider their ways and follow their example. Um, there's no way to follow the teaching of a faithful teacher if you're not following their example. Think back to those who are faithful to teach you well and follow that example because if they are truly faithful in their teaching, they also are likely faithful in their walk. Uh, by the way, this is one of those passages that makes a strong case for transparency with both leadership and congregation. Uh, the assumption Paul makes is that they can remember his example and his teaching, uh, which means he didn't hold himself away uh, and aloof, um, but neither did they. Um, you know, real quickly, my old pastor, John MacArthur. So the guy's incredibly busy. Um, one of the things that always stood out to me is now between services, I can't remember now. It's been too many years. I think he would go away. He, you know, after first service, he would leave. Uh, I think go up to his office, um, and then come back down to preach the second time. But what always stood out to me is that there was always people escorting him, um, especially at the end of service. They would escort him out to the car because he would be accosted and and uh, attacked. But what he always did was stay after service he would step down and just stand there and and the lines of people who wanted to get a picture of him uh, autograph a book or something but he would talk uh he even as busy as he was in as large a church he was available um it always just stood out to me compare that to others where they have this back entrance and all of a sudden they just show up onto the stage they do their thing and then they're back out and they're in the car and they're gone and the congregation never actually gets to witness their life, you know. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. When I, I when I did that sermon on uh, peril of following the wrong spiritual mm -hmm. teachers, I just said if you don't have access to your pastor's life, you're not being pastored. Uh, you need to make certain that they actually model what they they teach. Otherwise, you don't have an example. And right. that's his point here. Uh, Hebrews thirteen seven is another good one. Uh, he says, "Remember those who led you and spoke the word of God to you." and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. I like that one because it's not merely consider their teaching mm -hmm. or consider their words, it's consider the result of their conduct. In other words, you're looking at how the word has informed their life. Um, and, and that's actually what you're supposed to be looking at, not just what they say. And it's likely talking about those who taught you and are now either in prison or dead. Um, you know, so it's not the the latest coolest pastor who's really out there, and there's like, oh, you gotta listen to his sermon. It's the ones that you've actually watched faithfully conduct themselves over a life. Um, that and, you know, so you're seeing the result. That's the point. Is right. here's the end, their end of their life, and look, they died well. You know, and and we can consider that. The next one we'll say is uh, we must remember those who suffer for the gospel. In Colossians 4.18, he writes, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Last words before he closes out that, God, uh, that, that letter, he's, he, and he just says, don't forget, <laughs> I'm in prison. Um, now, there's one obvious thing that stands out in 2 Timothy um, it is the utter loneliness of Paul, uh, it, and it's his great desire to see Timothy before he dies. If you didn't know, Second Timothy is Paul's final letter, and, and it's full of emotion. Um, 
he's lonely. Uh, suffering is terrible, people, it, 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 or it wouldn't be suffering. Suffering alone, though, is worse. Uh, we can remember them with letters and prayers. And in doing this, you're then preparing yourself to stand firm in the midst of hardship yourself. But there are those who have suffered in your own midst, if you will only look from. You don't have to go find, look very far. There are people who are quietly suffering in your church. Go find them and remember them. Look and then listen. Uh, as there are many who are w wanting to be seen um, as those suffering, but are actually something else. Me, you got the guys out there who want to come across like they're suffering, letting everyone know I'm suffering. But really, what they want is pity, and they they want to uh, get attention. Go find the ones who are faithfully, quietly suffering, and then go remember them. Um, and the way you remember them is visit them, talk to them, encourage them, meet a need. But we, we also want to be honest here. If your goal in life is safety and comfort, then you will not understand why you must remember those who suffer for the gospel. But for you who are willing to keep or step into the gospel call and to be vulnerable for the sake of the loss, which means mockery and loss, and for those of you willing to get dirty in the lives of one another as you battle sin that's constantly stalking each of us, you will suffer well, and it will create a heart that seeks to remember those others who suffer. And so in Hebrews 10, uh, 32 to 34, the writer says, But remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public spectacle through the reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you, that one, you accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you, you're, you, I'm sorry, that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Having hopefully established a great fear in their hearts, the writer, and, and what, what I mean by that is the verse is just prior in chapter 10 of Hebrews. He says, if you go on willfully sinning, there remains now no other sacrifice for you, only the certainty of God's fiery judgment. I mean, it's a frightening passage. But now he's trying, so he's got them afraid. Woo. But then he, uh, he says, look, what you need to do to fight against that is to remember. What do you want to remember? Well, what he's telling them is, remember when you endured your sufferings uh, by remembering that they were the ones who actually were publicly persecuted at some point, but also by being sharers with those who suffered. So what's that meant? Well, in verse 34, it's by showing sympathy for those in prison. Uh, it, it would be a practical sympathy, helping out the families who are left behind, sending food to the prisoners, a note of encouragement. Notice what is the motivation, though. They had a heart set on eternity at the end of verse 34. He, he says, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. And so here again is a great stumbling block for people today. We love this world and its pleasures too much. But if you learn to remember those who are suffering, and what you will do is you begin to share with them in, in those issues, and it sets your heart out of this world and into the world to come. Yeah. So when we talk about biblical remembering, uh, we're not saying, uh, for how we started out, that you're just going down memory lane. 
Right. right? So biblical remembrance is always- Remembering the good times when we- Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're remembering something very specific, but a biblical remembering always moves you then to action based on something you're reflecting yeah. upon, right? It's yeah. not just, I'm thinking a thought. Uh, it should move you towards something practical. So we hope this was helpful and encourage, uh, encouraging for you. Uh, in our day, there's such a flood of information coming into our minds that we really don't manage it well. And the result is that we see a lot, but we remember little. And that becomes a trap for Christians, which just results in the dullness of faith. And so we need to remember many things, but then also learn to forget many other things. Um, so we would ask, talk about this episode with a friend uh, and see if you might be able to encourage someone through it. These spirits, <laughs> not that often. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious here. Um, you should. I, I repent. <laughs> he's he's flipping around the uh, little cursor on my screen. Um, so the, these spiritual motivator episodes are designed to help you move from merely hearing and gaining more knowledge, but then put that information into practice. Uh, and that's just best done with others. So please continue to listen. As always, don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend. Mm-hmm.